his name but I didn't Chase and Sean I just realized because I've been so obsessed with kid this week but he reminds me of Chase but then I was like wait and here's that thing him or not here's what I want to ask you when you went to the show tonight did you see anything different I didn't pay attention to be honest with you so yes or no anything different not really no was this the same Jayla to you no you know what I noticed again you were wearing your lesbian wig that's the only thing that I know. I, you know what? I, to be honest with you, when I go to the shows now. That's really, my Robin hair. I'm sorry. I, I, really, I really don't pay any attention to. You probably need anything. to know what Robin looks like because then you probably appreciate that more. Robin who? I'm in the corner watching you kiss her. Okay, well. Oh, she has short, lesbianish blonde hair. Let me say this She's about trying that. to be a homage to that. Yeah, so let me say this about that. The only thing that I noticed, because, you know, I, I'm so used to watching the drags perform that I don't watch them anymore. I watch the audience. And so, you know me and the Bachelorettes. I don't particularly <laughs> want to be in their environment. And I was watching them. They were singing along to the song. But they were really good tonight. They were not annoying. I just have to say that for the record. Well, you weren't out They there weren't annoying tonight. They were spilling things on the floor. Okay, I'm saying as a performer in the show tonight, they were respectful. Nobody touched me. Nobody touched my hair. Nobody tried to touch my face. They were respectful to me. I'm just saying no, from what I was watching. For the record. No, and, and as far as bachelorettes go, I think you're right. They were respectful. They were, you know, because what I've noticed at the show, too, is that when they when Marina does the birthday things and mm. they get up all, uh, on the stage, they all crowd the stage to where none of us who are sitting can see anything. It's so disrespectful and so annoying. They didn't. They were actually respectful. I think it was a good crowd tonight. I, I, as it was as, one of the better ones I've sure. seen a couple. I'll concede as far as okay. bachelorettes go, they yeah. were they were a good audience. Okay. Are we gonna have any fireball? I'm not. Oh. But you can, it's in the freezer. Anya told me you messaged her this I week did. or last week. I did. I messaged her and said We I, chat about this. You I know we're going you. to you know we're going to. And she said, I'll see you on Sunday. And I she's like, to myself, No, you won't. She's like, I'm ninety five percent gonna try to make it, Jayla. Did you tell her I'm not going to be there? No. I mean, how do I know that 95% she's going to try to make it there? I mean, I love Anya and everything. We'll see. Well, she's going to show up and I'm not going to be there. Okay. I didn't know. Because I've already made up my mind. I'm, I, You know what? I don't like the practices. You haven't told me this yet. For sure. Remember on Facebook the other day I posted the, the um, Herald and Maude? Well, in my own way now, I, I stand up for rights and things like that. You know, like when she was... Um, protesting with her umbrella or her sign or something. And I just decided, you know, in my own way, I'm going to handle my own feelings. And if that just means I'm going to stay away from a particular bar, I mean, I didn't want to, and I hope I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings at Trunks, especially Keisha's, by not being there. But it goes back to what we were talking about before. 
I can't base my decisions on, on other how people's other people expectations. are going to react or behave or right? feel. If what people, they expect. But if people don't understand me by now and know what kind of an individual I am, that I don't wake up every morning and decide I'm deliberately going to fuck somebody over, <laughs> then they just don't know me. And so I was actually at the point where I was thinking, gee, I hope that um, Jayla sends me a message tonight saying there isn't anybody here, so I don't even have to go to Copa. You never have to do anything. <laughs> no, I know I don't have to do it, but a little part of it. I'm in my, like I told you last night, I'm in my flow. I'm being inspired, be it 20-year-old makeup gurus because I bought his product and I'm very happy with it or the session with these DJ slash producers this week or the drag show at chill and we're we're getting through it and we're getting I had a very great week. Good. So and you know this is no offense to you, but if you didn't come tonight, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well I'm glad to hear that. I just I'm glad to hear that. But you Do I like that you're there? Yes. Do I need you to be? No. And I get and I get that, and I appreciate you saying that. But like I said before, going there wasn't specifically to see you. Yes, I of wanted course. a different venue out of the I, mold, and I of wanted course. to see Marina Mac because I, you know, what I don't get to see her a lot, and I, I don't know how much you hear when you're in the dressing room, but Marina Mac is a really great. What do you call him? Host or, or. Energy, presence, hostess. No. What does she do? She's the MC of the hostess, show or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a quick wit and she's very funny and right on the mark. And you know, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and we can, you can put this in the podcast or you can leave it out, but the other night when you didn't come over and pick up Miss Kitty. Let's talk about our assumptions of each other because we don't have them a lot. Well, wait a second. My foot is, has fallen asleep. Have you ever gotten up I love it. when your foot is asleep and you sort of crumble to the floor because your foot is well, asleep? Well, but usually if somebody touches it, you scream. No, I, it's numb. Leave it alone. <laughs> anyway, so what I was thinking the other night, and, and this is where I have to sort of give you an apology, but I'm going to explain to myself why <laughs> I, love this. I was a little miffed off, miffed off at first. is because I sent you the message around three saying, you can come, up, pick, come pick up Miss Kitty now. And then you responded with, I can now, LOL. And I thought, are you being a snot? I forgot the T, apostrophe T. But I thought, are you being a snot that's saying, oh, I can? That's the way that I interpret it. Okay. And then I thought, hmm. And so then I just, you know, had my clients and everything. And then you went through your day. And then you posted just shortly after that. I meant to say, I can't. This is when I left. What I was doing. But that's when you said, and that was probably about. I 30. meant to say, Would I you can't. Let me, let me finish. I'm going to say that. So, about 30 or 45 minutes later, you said, I meant to say, I can't. So then I thought, okay, I understand. You can't right now. So then, as the, as the course of the day went on, I thought, well, when can you? You're not letting me know that you're going to come over and pick up Miss Kitty. And then it got to be, so then I went to. Well, Miss Kitty and I take a nap together. So we went and took a nap. Mm -hmm. And then I got up at nine. And 
I'm doing my thing before I go to the gym and before I, you know, go to the store. Go to Vons. So then I'm back at 10 at night or whatever, and I'm thinking to myself, I haven't heard anything about you're going to come pick up Miss Kitty. And so then that's when I sent you the message, and I said, your lack, does your lack of communication mean that Miss Kitty is staying here tonight? And you said, I didn't hear anything back from you, so I just assumed, or whatever you said. I didn't say assume. Well, whatever you said. And then I thought to myself, doesn't it make sense that around 9.30, if you haven't heard from me, that maybe you would just contact me and say, when do you want to come and pick up Miss Kitty? Because in your previous message to me, like six hours earlier, I can't right now. And so how am I supposed to know when right now is? So that was what I was thinking. So then after I thought, and then you sent me the message saying, well, I guess we both assume. And then I thought to myself, no, I'm not going to settle for that. You assumed. And then I thought, well, but wait a second. I assumed too. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then I realized, oh, I assumed that because it was a certain time that you were going to contact me. But I got a little, not miffed or anything, just sort of, like I wanted to sort of say something like, no, you're the one who's assuming. I'm not assuming. And then I thought, yeah, I did assume. Because the only way that I'd be able to respond to you is, no, I didn't assume. But that would be a lie. So then... Because you said it in your message. Am I to assume? That's right. For your like, So you already no. admitted your no, assumption. There you, there you go. I didn't, okay. I, I didn't even think about that. Uh, I yes. had to assume by your lack of communication. And I know when yeah. I need to okay. be technical with okay. you and when yeah. I can just laugh about it. No, that's good because I didn't, even, I didn't even realize that. But the, the place of apology comes in mm. where, mm. like, you know me and I, my quirkiness about putting things in boxes and, you know, like on the counter and other things, and they're sitting right there on the floor, and then you come over and you say, well, do you want me to put those in the garage? And it's almost in my mind like, well, I just knew that you would ask me, so then I'm going to let you do it. That's not an assumption. That means that that's a good assumption. If It, it maybe probably is an assumption, but you're allowed to assume that because I want to try. You never want to ask me to help you out or do something. But, that, so. but, but that's where I'm going with this whole Miss Kitty thing. Yes. I, you assumed whatever you assumed based on the dynamic that we have. And I assume. And I'm going to respond when you're done. You tell me when I can respond. And I assume based on the fact that, you know, more than likely you're going to ask me if you could bring these things to the garage. And then I say, okay, that's fine. And I thought, We both mutually assume about things, and that's just the dynamic of the relationship. But that's better than one assumption with none other. I think an assumption and an assumption cancel each other out. No, That's how I feel. No, and I agree with you on that. I think you're right about that. But where my mind went initially was (laughs) you're saying it's okay for you to assume, and now you're accusing me of assuming and I right. and, and and I didn't assume anything until I thought about it and realized I did assume that you were going to call me. Now assume doesn't even sound like a word anymore. <laughs> but then you pointed out to me that in my message to you earlier, yes. I assume based on your lack of communication. 
that you're not that you're not picking up Miss Kitty. And I didn't realize. So in there someplace is an apology because <laughs> from me to you, and not just because of that dynamic, but it also made me realize that based on the our relationship, that I do assume certain things too. Like when you took those things out to the garage for me, it really diminished my anxiety. Because the way that my mind works is, oh, it took a lot out of me mentally to get Just up to release and that. put those things in the box and mm. everything. Because I did that like around And it's no big deal to me just to do that. It's not, it's not a big deal at all. But I often wonder why then does it become a big deal for me to say, now I'm going to have anxiety about having to pick these things up and bring them out to the garage. Like my suitcase. You know, I just, when I went to San Francisco and it's almost been a month now. Right. My suitcase is still, still there. in my room. I got it out of the garage, but it's just easier. And just I want, leave it in my I want your assumptions, anxiety to just eventually just be like, it's not because we're not going to be married and be a husband and a wife and be, Yes, but just let it, it's okay to just let it go. Well, but. There's so many more things I would do that's not a big deal. But. But but you need to understand that. You need to get there. Number one, I don't need to do anything. That's one of the things that I've learned in dealing with my clients. You don't tell Need and want is different, yes. That's a Freudian slip. I don't mean it that way. But I think it's important. You need to for the, your Whatever. Let me finish this thought. (laughs) One of the things that I learned in working with my clients is you don't tell them you need to do something. You can say, have you considered this or think about this? But when you say you need to do something, it, the the brain is interpreted like, don't tell me what I need. It's the delivery. I know what you mean. I can, I can fix that. I can change that. But I'm not asking you to change it because I understand where you're coming from. I'm just thinking about more, maybe more, more sensitivity for other people dealing with other people in the world. If you tell me I need to do something, I'm just going to respond like, don't tell me what to do and be joking about it. But what I find an issue with is that if you're telling me that you want my anxiety to diminish, and, mm. and I, I know you don't mean it this way, but this is the way that it sounded, but you just need to get over it. That's not the way that anxiety works. It's not something I can just say, eventually I'm just going to get over. This is a lifelong thing for me. And the way that I look at it is, I have to deal with it on a daily basis. If people in my life in your way. can't, in my own way, yes. which means that if one of my own ways is to say, I can't do this, or I'm not going to do this, or whatever, to be able in my own head to diminish the anxiety, that's what I need to do. And if somebody else, you or anybody else, like even with Keisha, you know, when it created some anxiety in me thinking, oh, okay, that she's one of my dear friends. She's my sister. And I guess I sort of feel obligated to go to her, you know, getting her star. And then I thought, I'm not going to put myself in that position. If Keisha doesn't understand me for me and she gets disappointed or upset. Which most likely she does. And so it's the same thing I'm saying to you, is if I cancel or if I say at the last minute, can we record on a certain day 
and not do it tonight or not go someplace. I just have to honestly give you the options. But I can, <laughs> but with my anxiety, it's not like I'm ever going to get over it, is what I'm trying to say. That's the whole deal with a mental illness. But I'm pretty sure. We're never going to get over it. I know you're being sensitive to what I say, but I don't ever say get over it. You did, though. How? What did I say that to? If you if you go back and listen to what you were saying, you were saying, I really uh, wish that eventually you would get over okay, it. Okay. But I don't think that's what you meant. No, I don't mean that in an unsensitive way. I mean get over it because I, this is me. Yeah, like I, I don't say to you like I what you're saying. You don't it's not get over it, it's understand that when you deal with your anxiety the way that you need to, it's not a big deal. Yes, and I, absolutely. And I appreciate that. I don't want it to be a big deal for you to me. To be but I, anxious. But I can't, I can't have control of that. I get it. Like, I wish I could, but I, I know that I can't. That's reality. No, but you do have control over it to a certain degree. By you saying... I understand that you have the anxiety. I understand your thoughts because I'm a good communicator. I let people know, you know, other people know what kinds of things are going on in my head so that the more that other people know, the more they can say, okay, this is not like off the wall or something. This is what is going on in that head of yours. But what you have control over and what I'm getting a sense that you're trying to say to me is, I'm telling you, based on the control that I have, whatever you do, throw it at me because it isn't going to affect me. And my I'm thing is, it's you. me. I love you. I support you. It's not a big deal. Just let it go. Get over it. That's that's yeah, what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah. And that's and that's why not I'm like fuck you. Get over your bullshit. Yeah, no, I know. You know that's not how I say that. I know, but you know sometimes. Sometimes you have, don't differentiate that. We, we have to be oh, it is? We have to be careful how we speak to people and the words that we use. So, you know, guess what? If I were in a full-blown anxiety and somebody said, oh, get over it, my mind's going to go to, you're trying to tell me to get over it, when in fact I'm not in a full-blown anxiety and I'm being able to process the information. Because I was talking to a client earlier today. No, actually, it wasn't a client. It was my friend and, um, about his friend. And his friend was having mood swings because he had canceled, you know, or stopped taking his Prozac. And I told him that I think it's important that this friend go talk to a doctor who's able to give him a medical um, evaluation because if you stop the medication, the brain chemistry is going to go back to the way that it was before. And if And I told him, If somebody, and I told my clients this too, if you're not on your medication or you're high, because I worked in the drug and alcohol rehab center, you're not going to be able to process the information in a healthy way. So we're going to cancel the session because there's no point in having it. So I was telling Floyd that if if his friend, because he's off the medication and his brain chemistry is, is reacting differently, then he's not going to be able to process the information about maybe I do need to go see a doctor. So Floyd said, then maybe I'm going to have to take a proactive approach and in whatever way Floyd's going to do it, insist that he go see a doctor. 
because he's not able to process the information well enough to be able to make that healthy decision all on his own. So the point that I'm trying to make is that, that makes sense. if I heard somebody say, get over it when I'm in a, in a more blown anxiety, my mind's not going to be able to process it. And what's going to happen is, is that I'm going to jump off the deep end and say, how dare you tell me what I should do? Because my mind is not thinking as healthily as it would be. Even if, here's what I want to say. So even if, quote unquote, it's me, quote unquote, sometimes that doesn't matter. Like, I'm not Joe Bloschmo, I'm your person. It's me. It's, hey, it's Jason. Like, does that sometimes not even come into your thinking? In my mind. Like, you know I got you. I don't know. Sensibly, you know I got you. But. I don't put stock in trying to read people's minds. And so, the more that we're getting to know each other, I mean, yeah, it's been, what, two years or whatever? Uh, three. Right. <laughs> but the fact is, is that we're getting, we're, we're right. always getting to know each other. I don't know what goes on in your mind. We don't talk about mental illness very often. We don't talk about my anxiety very often. I get the sense that you have gotten to the point where... I get it. I kind of just you, go with your flow. You just go with my flow. You take the lead. Yeah. I just do what. Right. And then, uh, and then I'm on the other end thinking, okay, did I sort of push a little bit too far in my anxiety getting control? You do, but you don't. That, I don't do I lose sleep over it anymore? No. no. Did I a year and a half or two years ago? Yes, a lot. Well, do I lose sleep over it anymore? Sometimes I, I do. I went to bed a lot two years ago. Like, oh my God, I made him mad. I said something. Yes, I remember when we first started talking and I remember the things that we're talking about now. Yes, you've made a lot of progress. And also... And you've made me a better advice giver. I can't put the degrees that should be on my name, but I know that I... Good. I don't have anxiety until somebody puts it in my face. Like this morning, oh. waking up. Who the hell is coming in my front door? It makes me jolt out of my sleep. And I look and I'm like, oh my God. That that was my only point. But 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 that but that's a very interesting point and a very good point. To I got make on too. a tangent. No a tangent, I no, know, but no. that was what my original point was. No, but wait a second. You went on a tangent so <sighs> that it's interesting to point out. There is healthy anxiety and unhealthy anxiety. What you experienced was mine healthy? Was healthy. Because it's like I posted on Facebook. I want, you know, I want everything to be perfectly fine and have no fear. But then realistically, we all have to have some semblance of fear because that's what keeps us wary. That's what keeps us aware of what's going on around us. My anxiety is built on a lot of irrational beliefs. In your past? That's right. Of course. That's right. So having anxiety about hearing a key in the door or somebody jiggling the doorknob, that's healthy. The dynamic changed. It was a different dynamic. Uh, it wasn't something you were expecting. Exactly. It, but it makes sense when, you, it's healthy, when you talk it through. No, it is healthy. Then okay, then I'll admit I'm... And there is no shame. And I don't think that you meant it that way. No. So I want to go back to the assumptions with Miss Kitty. Because I need to give my side of the story now. All right. 
when um I don't think this is an assumption per se, but I think sometimes because normally if you say something like you can come get her, you have to admit or not deny or agree. I usually can be like, okay, I'm on my way. Yeah. But I had a really busy day that day. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going over to these guys' house at 2.30, and I'm going to be there an hour and a half, and I'll just wait to see what Mark's saying. So when you say that, when I say, I can't, I'm in the middle of this recording studio. They're playing house music and jail. So I, I'm trying to just, and they're looking at me. It's like, I don't know, no, you guys, like, you have my full attention. Yeah. And so then um, I'm like, well, I told him, oh, my God. I can't come. I can't come right now. That was 45 minutes later. And then I'm like, Mark's going to work. He's got clients. So then by 6 or 6.30 or 7, he decompresses and the nap time's coming. And then he gets up and he's going to go grocery shop. So I'm just going to wait until he tells me when to come get me skitty. This is where my head's going. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking on the hour at least. Has it said anything yet? Has it said anything yet? So I'm literally watching TV, so Netflix, and I'm like, it's almost 11. Fuck. Bring! So I'm assuming that you like a community, and I'm like, oh my God. I literally jump up, like, no, I've been waiting for like. Three and a half, four, five, whatever, how many hours? Because this is the respect I have for what your space and what you're doing. This is just my honest. If I'm texting you every hour, tell me when you're ready. Tell me when you're ready. When you want to come get her. When you want me to get. I I know you. That would probably annoy you. So I just wait. So the moral to the story is: Can we just kiss and make up? <laughs> And then hang up, and so I can go back to watching Law and Order. Uh, All right, let's uh, let's kiss in the microphone. Right over the microphone. <laughs> and don't forget to stay tuned for my live to tell. This episode is brought to you by Pyromedia Network. Pyromedia Network is a progressive moving platform to give a voice to those who feel don't have one. PMN's core mission is to provide a safe and positive creative space for creatives to flourish to their highest potential. For more information, please visit www.pyromedianetwork.com. I don't remember. This story came up where I was 16 or 17. Remember, that was before I knew about sex and before I knew about Were any you in of college stuff. at this point? No, I actually had gone to Pepperdine, cried, flunked yeah. out of the semester, and then came back to San Diego. So it was in between Pepperdine and UCSD. I was, I think I was going to Mesa Junior College, which was basically a high school where people could smoke. That's basically what it was all about. So I was, I was doing that just because my parents wanted me to go to school. But this is when I used to hang out at Balboa Park, back in the good old days when they had all the bushes and all the trees and everything. So you drive through Balboa Park, you park the car, you get out, you cruise the bushes, you do your thing, and then you get back in the car, and then you go home or whatever. I was wearing a tank top, and I had these short shorts on, but on the right side, 
of the shorts, the butt part was cut out. So it was open and you could basically see the butt cheek on the right hand side. And like it's the shorts were made that way? Well, no. Are I'm, you cut it out? I made them that way. Oh my God. <laughs> no, seriously. I was walking down the, um, walking on the sidewalk in Balboa Park one day wearing those same shorts. And all of a sudden I heard a screech. And some person in the car was looking at my short shorts and didn't see the car in front of him who had stopped. And I almost caused an accident. So I, I would, it, but this I was doing such different things at 16. <laughs> okay, well, and we'll talk about you later, but this is my story. So anyway, this is the way that I was dressed. I was in my car, which was a, it was my Mazda RX-7. I was going to make a right-hand turn at a red light. And at this particular point, there's a sign there that says, no right turn at a red light. But I wasn't paying attention to that. I wasn't paying attention to the fact that there was a cop behind me. So I made a right-hand turn at the red light and immediately got pulled over. And the cop put put the lights on and and came up to my um, passenger window and asked me for my registration and driver's license and all that. So I gave it to him. They came back and they said, put your hands behind your back. And I'm going, what's going on here? And they said, there's a warrant out for your arrest. So we need to take you in. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and, and at that point, I had no idea. And the fact is, is that at the time, when they call in to find out, you know, about whatever, they hear that there's a warrant for your arrest, but they don't know what that warrant is about. So I could have been a serial killer or whatever. So they handcuffed me, put me in the back of the car. I remember sitting there my hands behind my back and it was so uncomfortable because I was sitting on those damn um, handcuffs and we're driving to the jail and I'm looking out the window and we're stopping at stoplights and there's a car next to us looking in and I'm looking out like a scared person wondering what the hell is going to be happening to me. They drive me to the, to the San Diego prison. Jail. Jail, yeah, right. Yeah, I, don't I, I say prison. Come on. Well, for God's sake, I'm being overly dramatic here. And they bring you inside, and they take you out of the car, and they take the handcuffs off of you, and then they bring me in to mugshot me, fingerprint me, and that was back in the day when they did the strip search. So I had to take off all of my clothes. I was in the same room with these other people who were naked, just like me. We had to put our hands up on the wall and they were sticking their fingers in all these different places and everything. <laughs> and I'm just sort of wondering, okay, if this is the worst that it can get, then okay, I guess I can tolerate this. Then they took me up and they did my fingerprints and they did my uh, mug shot and they gave me an apple and they gave me a carton of milk. And they said, now, if you stay to yourself, probably nothing will happen to you. So then they put me in this room and I was in this room just by myself. And I thought, okay, well, I can handle this until the time that it takes for them to process me and get me out of here. Cause I called my, I called my grandmother actually was, you do get one call. And it was my grandmother and I, I'm in prison. No, AKA jail. And <laughs> I need someone to come bail me out 
And so my grandmother, you know, she said, okay, she talked to my parents. Then they take me out of that room and they put me into this big holding cell. And there are like all these guys in there. And I'm standing there up against the wall with the, um, the doors, the bars that have closed behind me. And I'm standing there and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I'm terrified here. I don't know what to do. And across the room, I see this guy staring at me and he comes walking across the room and he gets right in my face and he goes, stop breathing down my neck. And clearly he was drunk. And a lot of the people were drunk or they were on drugs or whatever. And here I am, this little 16, 17-year-old, skinny little 98 pounds, and wondering what's going on. So then, right after that, it seemed like, then they, they opened up this other wall. And it was time to eat. And so we were walking. We walked into where they had the food. And I had my little tray. And I walked in there and I got food. And then I was turning around and I was walking back and another guy came up to me and said something. And I was so intimidated. I gave him my tray of food because I didn't want to get beaten up. And then I crawled up in one of the bunk beds and I just stayed up in the bunk bed. Okay. So I'm coming out of the, the food room with my tray full of food. And the one guy asks me, if I had cigarettes, I think that's what he was asking me if I had cigarettes and I got so scared. I, I don't have cigarettes, but here's my food. And I gave him my food and my tray and I got up in the bunk bed and all of a sudden I started thinking, cause I had been in there for like maybe three hours oh. and I'm thinking to myself, wow, how I'm much longer? say three days? No, it was in there for three hours, but I had just seen the movie Midnight Express and you haven't seen Don't it, know it, and maybe a lot of people haven't seen it, but he was arrested in Turkey for possession of drugs, and they put him in the prison, and then they forgot about him. <laughs> and he was in there for the longest time, and I'm sitting up in the bunk, and I'm thinking, everybody forgot about me. No one's going to come and get me. I'm going to be in here for the rest of my life. It, clearly, that's the way that my mind wanders. And so I just stayed up in the bed. But what no. were you thinking about your parents? They, I mean, you're a minor. Well, I am, but I wasn't thinking. Don't they have to immediately be trying to get a hold of your parents? Well, you for would one. Think, well, you would think so. And and if I would have been more mature and rationally thinking, I probably would have known that my parents were doing something. But what ended up happening was I was up in that bunk, and like maybe I don't know, ten hours later, eleven hours later, you were really there that long? Yeah. I got, oh. I got a call um, that somebody was there to bail me out. And so they brought me to another room where I sat and I sat and I was sitting in there with a couple of other people and they were saying in the room, okay, you're in this room now. And what they do is now they run another check on you to see if there's anything else that they... and. The reason why, oh, and I found out the reason why I had the warrant for my arrest is that I had all these unpaid parking tickets that I never paid. I had uh, an expired God. registration. I had unpaid parking tickets. Criminal. And so when, <laughs> I'm horrible. And so when I was sitting there listening to that, I thought, oh, my God, if they 
put a warrant out for my arrest for certain park parking tickets or not paying for my registration, are they going to find out that I have more parking tickets? And then they're going to put me back in the in the. Did they? Did you ever think? Oh my God, they're going to find out I'm gay. No, because I didn't they put even, me somewhere else. No, because I didn't. Well, no, you I were wearing your shorts. Like yeah, that's butt true. Cut out. Yeah, How did you not know you were gay? No, yet? no, that's true. That was at the point when I I knew I was gay. So you now, were going to Balboa Park. Yeah, you're right about that. Okay. So I guess I knew I was gay at that point. But no, it didn't. It never crossed my mind to think okay. that they were going to. I was scared. You know, being dressed like that. Can you imagine me being dressed like that with my butt cheek hanging out and my shirt and then the guard telling me? So they put scrubs on you or no. whatever you call them? No, I was in there just like that. Oh, you weren't naked in there. You could put your clothes back on. Oh, yeah. After they do oh. the strip search, then you get to put on okay. your short shorts and your whatever, you, whatever you came in. Right. And then they put you back, then they put you in the um, in the enclosure. But the point of the thing was I was terrified. And so I'm sitting in this room and I'm waiting. Are they going to let me out now? And so what happened was they cleared me. I'm standing there in front of this wall. All of a sudden the wall opened up. It was like this huge metal wall. I'm afraid to move because I don't know. Because in Midnight Express, when you move, they shot you. So I thought, if I step out there, are they going to blow me away with machine guns or something? So I stood there for a minute. They gave me my possessions. I walked out, which led to the sidewalk along the same street that they brought me in in the first place. And all of a sudden, I could hear the criminals screaming from the window up in the, you know, because I was in the holding cell the jail cells right. where all the criminals were, because of course I wasn't a criminal, were up in these windows and they were hooting and stuff at me in my little short shorts and all that stuff while I was walking down the sidewalk. That sounds and, like the Parliament House. <laughs> sounds like what? The Parliament House. Well, see, I told you. Because it was I, a high balcony. And yeah. That's they... So I did know that. Maybe <laughs> they'd seen me before in my short shorts. But all of a sudden, I got, I, you know, when I saw my father down on the corner waiting for me because he had paid my bail, so all of a sudden, I started walking like, I just got out of jail. And I was walking along like I was something. But it was totally scary. But then I had to go to um, court. I had a court date. And the court date was set for like maybe a couple months out. I just knew they were going to put me in prison. You were going to come back again? And, and I was going to rot there for the rest of my life just because I got arrested for having short shorts on and not paying parking tickets. As it turns out, they just charged me a fine and time served. And that was the end of that. 12 hours probably? You were no, I was... Holding no, in, I was in there for 11 or 12 hours, but then they brought me into... That's for like... If it was afternoon, it would have been till way into the night. Right. I know. It was in the middle of the night. Wow. So that's my fugitive story. I didn't know was 16 years old. I didn't even know that could be possible. To go to jail. In retrospect, it had to... Are supposed to take you to juvie hall first or something juvenile with kids and not adults? In retrospect, it had to. I had to have been older than that. Because I went. Don't tell me you were twenty-one. No, I was under. Yeah. No, I was under twenty-one. 
I think I was probably around 18 years old. Because remember, I went to Pepperdine when you I was 16, right? When I was in jail. Okay. Yeah. 16 at Pepperdine early for a whole year? No, I went there for a semester. I turned 17 while you were there. Right after I, yeah, while I was there and left. Fall to. Okay. And then I came back to San Diego. So it was around that. Because remember, I had to figure out within this period of time that I was a big homo and how to cruise the Balboa Park bushes. And so if I hadn't figured out, like you said, that I was a big homo and that I needed to wear these short shorts to attract people, then I. So I had to. Hold over, Ed. I had to have been about 17 or 18 years old. But the. The bottom line to the whole thing is I am an ex-jailbird. Here's, I, let me add a comment. I'm kind of thinking where this story was going to go when you told me before. Oh, my gosh. You're talking about getting going to jail. You were driving. A cop pulled you. I was like, oh, my God. Don't tell me you tried to, like, to the cop. <laughs> <laughs> like, solicit the cop or something, that, and he took you to jail. No, that, that's what I was thinking. At that point, that never would have crossed my mind. But let's just be honest here. Years later, I have you probably would have. I I have mm-hmm. done something similar to that, and it works. Offered it or done it? You've actually done it. You'll just have to wait to the next episode of oh Live to Tell. Wow, I already know the answer to that, but the look <laughs> on your face. Remember, I was a rebel back then. I'm a, I'm a, I was a rebel with a, an arrest without warrant. a cause. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, believe me, I had a cause. Oh, my God. Happy New Year from Beauty and the Shrink. What's to come in the new year? I'm going to have to think of a scary story like that. A jailbird story? Because I can imagine that was terrifying at what age you were. I don't even know what I have, even close. Well, I'm going to think about it until next time. I'm sure you have them. Never mind. Ah. All right, let's close this out, and then you can edit all this (laughs) and see where it comes out. I Let's wanted to say next time, until next time, sayonara. Actually, we're signing off for right now. Happy New Year. And hope you enjoyed this podcast of Beauty and the Shrink. And we'll catch you in two weeks. In a next episode of Live to Tell, I will share a tale of why it's important to consider not sleeping with another man's boyfriend lest you wake up with a butcher knife at your Run and 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 run